thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Well, hey, grab your bulletin. We're going to continue through this series on the Joshua Code. If you were here on June the 2nd, I uh, did a lesson or did a message called, Did the Devil Really Make Me Do It? And uh, I was not finished with that uh, when we were done, okay? So I'm going to recap that a little bit and then finish that, put a bow on it tonight, today. And so if you were here the second, listen again. If you were not here the second, it's all going to be fresh and new for you. But uh, I want to give you a couple questions. I want you to, you don't have to write them down necessarily, but I would like for you to write your answer down, okay? Now, what happens sometimes in church is that we hear phrases, statements, uh, even traditional statements that we hear in the church, even sometimes in songs, even on a Christian radio station, okay, that may or may not be scriptural, okay? Example, if you hear that there are no tears in heaven, you may have heard that, been taught that or whatever, that is not a true statement, okay? Just needed to let you know that, okay? Now, it's sweet, and if you've been taught that, whoever told you that is not a bad person, okay? I'm not saying that, but, but there are tears in heaven, okay? Because Revelation... The gospel says that Jesus will wipe away your tears. Now, in order to wipe something, there must be something. Y'all good on that? Okay, I'm good. Y'all good? I'm good. Okay. That's not too, I mean, seminary, you don't need that right now, do you? No, you got that. That's good. Okay. So, what it says is that, yeah, you may have a tear in heaven, but Jesus will wipe those tears. Okay. Now, another statement is that God will not give me more than I can handle, okay? That, that's another statement. You may have said that to people, may have told people that, may have been taught that all of your life, that God will not give me more than I can handle or give us more than we can handle. My question for you is this, is that a true or false statement? Is that a true or false statement, Okay? Write your answer down if you want to, or just kind of stick it in your noodle, and and we'll get there, okay? Now, is this statement found in the Bible? Is this statement, God will not give me more than I can handle, found in the Bible? Okay? If so, write the address down. Okay? Because people say, that's in the Bible, dude. Okay, where? Where? Well, I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, my grandmother has told me that forever. Well, I, I'm sure I would have loved your grandmother and her apple pie, but I'm just telling you, just because grandma said it doesn't make it gospel. If it's gospel, then what grandma said is gospel, but it's not gospel because grandma said it, okay? And it's not disrespecting grandmother if you say, ah, it's not true, okay? So, is that statement true, God will not give me more than I can handle, is the statement found in Scripture? And if so, what's the address? Okay? Because the address is very important. Okay? Address is very important. So, now, let's unpack that statement. I want you to turn your Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. The Word says this, No temptation has seized you 
except what is common to man. If you have your own Bible and you want to underline or circle or highlight, common to man. Okay? So any temptation that you go through, know that it's common to man. Okay? God's not picking on you. I meet people all the time. God's just picking on me. Okay. So let's keep going. And God is faithful. If you need to be reminded of that, you can underline that as well. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear or handle. Okay? You say, ah, it's true. Hang on. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, we want to get a couple things straight here. Big difference between trials and temptation. See, if you mix up those, you can mix up the Scripture. Understand something, that trials, most trials, okay, 99.9% of them, are allowed by God or even sent by God to cause a Christian to stand, okay? Now, if you went through school and the teacher taught 177 days out of the year, and she said, I'm going to teach this today, but I'm never going to give you a test on it. <laughs> you ain't listening. You're not studying. You're not going to even pay her a time of day. Now, let's be honest as adults and youth, for that matter. Why do you read and listen in school? Because you're going to be tested. That's just the bottom line. Otherwise, you're not. I mean, don't say I, I would. I would sit there, and I would take notes. And I, no, you would not. You might for about a week, and then everybody else is not doing it. You're like, they aren't doing it. I'm doing it. Right? So that perfection that you want, is, it, it, you might try that. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to study if you're not going to be tested. Okay? It's, it's pointless. Okay? So trials come in our life, okay, by God. They're allowed by God by some choices that we make or may not or other people make. Or they're allowed by God in order to test us or to see if what we say we are, we are. That's just it. You know, if you buy a good set of tires at discount, at the ti- at discount tires, and you go out there and you, and you give it some gas, you want to see if it leaves a mark, amen? And if it doesn't leave a mark, you take it back and say, dude, these tires ain't no good. How do you know? Look, man, I just jumped all over. It didn't even make a mark on the pavement. Well, if they're bald, they're not. But if they're good, they're going to leave a mark for a little while, and then they'll be bald, and you have to just do that again. So your life must leave a mark. What's the mark? The mark is if you profess Christ and you are a believer, then you're in the Word daily because that's your nourishment. So that means when tests in life come, you do what? Very well. Why? Because you have an open book test. If every test in school is open book, I probably had better grades, all right? But here's the deal. We have an open book. The, the Word says, and Jesus says, in this life you will have, have tough times, sorrows, trials, tests. He tells us. And then we're like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. I'll study when I need to. <laughs> all right, here it comes. And then we've, we don't do good. And then we blame what? Like you do in school. If I fail a test, whose fault is it? It's always the teacher. It's always the teacher. She's a sorry teacher. She can't teach. I don't even know why. You know coaches can't teach. That's what they, they don't even know how to teach. If mom, if they taught me better, I'd score better. 
whatever. So when we fail a test in life, we say, God just picking on me. God's punishing me. God, that's not fair. No. It, he told you ahead of time, you're going to have tough times. We're on borrowed time here. We're just passing through. This ain't no carnival. Ain't six flags. This is not your home, so don't get comfy. So why do you think this place that's not your home is going to be nice to you? It's not. And so, so you're going to have trials, and you're going to be you're going to face those tests. Those come from God. And so we say that God won't give me more than I can handle. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Ask Job. Ask Jesus himself. My friends, if he doesn't give us more than we can handle, do we need him? You don't need him. I got this. He gives it to us. To, uh, for us to understand that without him, we're sunk, and we got to have him. To humble us, to break us, to get us down, to get us under him, to surrender to him, to understand that we need him. He is that mighty, awesome, incredible God that we just sang about, and that our life out there must echo that. So you got trials that come from God. Temptation, on the other hand, comes from whom? The enemy. Now, what's he doing? What's the temptations for? He tells us in Peter to kill you, to take you out, to eliminate you, to wipe you off the face of the earth, to, to not make you a factor at all. Hey, Dad, guess what? If he takes you out of your family, he's got your kids. He's got your marriage. Sinks everybody. So quit looking at it. Quit participating in it. Quit going there. Because he's trying to get you. Because if he can get you, he can get them. He can conquer your house. He's just walking up and down streets in America going, I'm going to get that house, I'm going to get that house, and I'm going to get that house. That's why they put the blood over the doorpost, man, to say this house right here is covered by the lamb. You can go next door, dude, but you ain't got no place here. Don't even knock because I'm not opening it. you got to get that straight. That Man, people say, Temptation comes from God. Temptation doesn't come from God. And we'll look at it in the Scripture in just a little bit. Trials are allowed or caused by God, okay? Temptation comes from the enemy. So the Scripture says that you will not be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. That's different. Temptation comes from the enemy. God says you won't be tempted beyond what you bear. Not that you, can, you will have more in your trials than you can bear. Oh, you may have trials that just, I mean, i mean, absolutely like a gut shot that take your breath away. I mean like a gut shot. But you can handle that because of who you are. Now, I want to go to James because I, we, if we don't go there, we're going to, we got to go now because I'm going to forget to go back there. Look at James. Keep the trials and temptation stuff in your head. Go to James chapter 1. Now, understand first, James is written to whom? Christians, thank you. That's very important to get. Because people, you, if you read this, don't read this like he's writing it to lost people. He's, he's writing James to believers. So he writes it in a whole different light. He's writing it to people who he thinks has got it. Or at least knows that they got it. And here's what they're not doing or whatever. They need some help. Okay? Look at James chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted... 
not if tempted, but when tempted, no one, and that still means no one today, okay, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one, me and you, each one is tempted by his own evil desires when he is dragged away and enticed. And afterwards, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. And I want you to catch the very beginning of 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Don't be tricked. Don't, don't let anybody smoke your chili. That's what it means. Don't let anybody fool you. You will be tempted. Temptation comes from the enemy. Temptation does not come from God, okay? But we are tempted, each one of us are tempted, when by our own evil desires, our own wants, our own what we want to do. It's my life. I'll do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Nobody tells me what to do. When that is out there and sin comes dancing by, chances are if you're not in the Word, in in the Word daily, and not well-fed, you're going to snack. And we snack on the things of the world. And then they don't satisfy us, so we take bigger snacks, and then we take buffets, and then I'm telling you, we're obese and in trouble. And then he laughs in our face because he's got us. Okay? He, not God. He being the devil. Okay? Now, I have to get my little friend out. I got to be careful because it's never good to dig in your pocket if you know there's a hook in there. All right. Uh, so here's my worm. I talked about it last time. I don't want to go into depth like I did last time, but just simple. If you were not here on the second, it's an artificial worm. Basically, artificial worm means it's made out of rubber. Okay? Fake. All right? So if you've ever fished, okay, and you're fishing with a worm, the key to worm fishing is worm fishing's at the bottom, okay, when you get these big bass laying on the beds and, and hanging out down there by the logs and stuff. You, if you want to get them, You've got to use a worm, put a little lead on there, hide the hook. If you don't hide the hook, you're going to catch snicker wrappers, styrofoam cups, and moss. Bass don't bite styrofoam cups. I don't care how much you dance in their face, okay? So you've got to have to hide the hook or you're going to get a whole bunch of junk on there. So you hide the hook, and then you start dancing this little thing. You see the little tail? Nice little tail, okay? Because sin, sin will always, always, always take you further than you want to go and it'll always keep you longer than you want to stay always and so what he does to believers is we are bass made by god god sends all the food bass ever needed to them they can feed on uh, mosquitoes dragonflies shad minnows whatever you want to call them they're well stocked okay but if that bass refuses to eat, understand that there are people like Dustin Stovall and others who love the fish, and they will dance artificial worms all around them cats all day long to get them to come off their bed, jump on a fake worm, because that fisherman always knows what that bass doesn't know, that every worm has a hook. And all sin has a hook. And so what happens to believers is this. God gives us the Word. We have an opportunity through worship and through the Word, not only on Sunday, but every day, to feed. 
to feed. If we're well fed and nourished by the word and his presence, every single day of our life, worms dance by. Worms dance by me all the time. All the time. Okay? Some are more glaring than others, but there's lots of worms. I mean, there's a worm of losing my temper. There's a word of saying words that I don't need to say. Okay? Or being angry. Or just being cold, calloused, mean. Okay? You can have a worm of stealing. You can have a word of, of, of getting drunk. You can have a worm of looking at stuff online or going places. There's lots of different worms, and they're always dancing around. They're out there right now, okay? But if you're well-fed as a believer, you don't jump, and you're not even, not even enticed by that worm. Why? Because you're not hungry. Let me tell you what you don't want to do after you eat. Eat. If you're like, dude, as soon as I get done eating, I just want to eat again. <laughs> this is not a class for you. Okay, you need, you need a small group of holding hands, okay? So this ain't it, okay? So you don't want, you go to a buffet, you don't go down the block and go, let's stop again, honey. I'm not getting out, dude. You can get out if you want to. All right? But you're not just going to keep eating. Why? Because you're well fed, all right? So believers that are well fed are able, okay, to to distinguish fake stuff than non-fake stuff, okay? They're, they're able, because they're well-fed, God gives them what? Wisdom, knowledge, all kind of stuff in the Word, okay? So when you're well-fed, when you're well fed, the, the, the enticement of what the world dances in front of you does not draw your attention. But my friends, when you're out of fellowship with God and you're out of the Word, and it's been a real long time since you've been in worship and really engaged in worship. And you go out there and you think, I'm just going to try harder, you toast. You just toast, okay? Because the world knows your tackle box and the enemy know what lure to grab out of it. We all got tackle boxes. You say, I don't, I don't even fish, dude. I don't have tackle box. You got one. You got one. Because there's an individual lure that he needs to grab for each of us. See, your lure may not tempt me, but your lure tempts you. My lure may look different, but all of them got hooks in it. And he knows which one he needs for you. And he's going to dance that. And if you're not wise and you're not fool, you're going to see what that feels like, tastes like. If you've ever been bass fishing, they don't just bite first time. They kind of suck on that tail a little bit, let go. And see, if you're fishing with amateur fishermen, like I talked about last time, every time that pole bends, I, and you're throwing hooks all over the place, and it's just embarrassing. And that's what we do. We see how close we can get to it without getting caught. And as they say in dating, you can only hold hands for so long. Come on. And so what happens is, after we just get a little taste of that artificial worm, and we don't go back to our nourishment, we get a little bit more of that artificial worm next time. And then we may suck it a little bit harder and may keep it a little bit longer in our mouth. But we ain't yet got up there where the hook is yet, but we're getting real darn close. And if we don't break it and go back to the Word and get well nourished, we're going to continue to go back to that until when? <laughs> until we walk off enough that that hook's in there. And then that hook goes on our root of our mouth. And it's a little bit late to go, hmm, wish I'd known that hook was in there. Don't we all? You can talk to people right now that's saying, I wish I knew that hook was in there. 
right? My friends, here's the deal. Jesus told us that the hook's in there. He told us that you're going to be tempted, okay? He told us in this world you're going to face that, okay? Now, I want you to see something. The question on the table this morning is not whether God can keep his promise. It's not whether these trials and these temptations and what the difference and all that stuff like that is. I'm telling you that trials are from God and temptation is from the enemy. And God says, I will not tempt you. So that means he will not tempt you, okay? And you will have more on you than you can bear trial-wise, not temptation. So whatever you're feeling like is a temptation in your life right now, can I just tell you something? If you are a born-again child of the king, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. We get our word dynamite from the word Holy Spirit, okay? That means you got power. That means that you have the power to stand up under that temptation or to say no to it. Because the Scripture says in Corinthians that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. So right now, if you're in temptation, say, guess what? I will not be tempted more than I can bear. That means I don't have to give in. I don't. But here's the deal. The question is, are you self-empowered or are you spirit-filled? Big difference, folks. Huge difference. And if you think they're the same, that's why you're getting your chili smoke so much. You can't be self-empowered. You can't go, I, I'm not going to do it. I promise I'm not going to do it. And you lay in bed at night going, I'm not going to disappoint my wife again. I'm not going to disappoint my kids. I'm not going to disappoint my church. I'm not going to disappoint me. I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Because you're relying on yourself. And if you could not do it, you would have not done it a long time ago. You got to quit relying on you. You died when you got saved. You had a funeral, stay in the grave, you are dead. Romans says you got to stay down and let him raise you up because the old is gone and the new has come. You are spirit-filled believer. And if you're not a spirit-filled believer, you're going to going to struggle. You cannot make promises to yourself. You're going to break your promises, okay? And then you're going to get frustrated at yourself, at your environment, at your church, and at God ultimately. And my friends, it's not his fault that you're failing the test that he's given you. Because he knows, he knows that you can pass this, but you're relying on the wrong thing. Wrong thing. And if he allows you to continue that road, you don't learn nothing. And it's only going to get worse. Because if we can put a square peg in a round hole by force, we're going to do it again. And we're going to eventually not give a fat fart how many splinters go out there and who gets affected by them. Sorry, that, that will not pass in seminary, okay? <laughs> Sometimes stuff just jumps out there, boy, and you can't reel it back in for nothing, boy. All right? Paxton, never say that. Okay, but here's the deal. <laughs> My wife's like, we're going to talk when you get home, boy. I'm not going home. I'm going to come over all y'all's houses, and I'm going to stay a long time, like till I'm like 90, okay? So, so here's the deal. 
I don't even know where I'm going. Here's the deal. You, you got to understand that he is out to get you. Because we think, I'm telling, I'm telling you, man, people get saved. We get this gospel presented to us that it's all free. Who, who wants to go to heaven? Oh, me. Who wants to have their sins? Oh, me. Who wants to, who wants to live forever? Oh, me. Who wants to have no trouble? Oh, me. Who, me? Yeah. Who, who wants to be prosperous? Oh, me. Who, how, how many people that sound good to? Oh, me. Well, come down front and give your life to Jesus. <laughs> well, then they walk out there, and ain't nothing like that. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, good. Stand still. I'm going to kick your tail. Oh, you're a Christian? Good. Everybody at work that used to like you, now they don't like you. Oh, my husband got saved. I don't do the church thing, honey. I'm leaving you. See, we, we got this little friendly Jesus, and, the, and I'm telling you, he, he loves you, but I'm going to tell you right now, he spent his whole ministry trying to tell people, don't follow me. And we in church, we, just, we tell anybody for them to come to church. We got cotton candy outside. Come on in. Dude. That's sweet and everything, but cotton candy disappears as soon as it hits your mouth. Jesus says, you better count the cost if you're going to follow me. And he is saying that you're going to be tempted. I'm telling you, you're going to be tempted even more once you get saved. But difference is this. I live in you. I have the Spirit in me, and I have empowered you, and you can stand up under it. I can through you. So quit trying and start dying. And when you die, that means I live and I conquer that stuff. You can't conquer it. Now, you can come for the ride and you can get the attention, but you better make sure you give it back to me because it's not you, dude. And as soon as you think you're Lone Ranger without Tonto, I'm riding off. I'm just telling you. Folks, it's time for the church to understand it is at war. It's just at war. Carnival days and selling cotton candy, that's sweet and everything, but I'm going to tell you right now, somebody's got to stand up and tell the church they're at war. I mean at war. At war. And it's not going to get any nicer till the day he comes back. Just, he's like, oh, it's going to get better. No, it's not. No, it's not. And if you're waiting on that to happen, you're walking backwards. All right? You've got to understand that when you put on that jersey, you cannot become a free agent. You can't. And you're tagged for life, but it's a beautiful journey, brethren, I'm telling you. And I don't care how tough it gets, it's sweeter because the victories are sweeter. The harder the game, the sweeter the victory, baby. All right? And it's tough, but you can do it because he lives in you, and he empowered you. And you've got to go to the source and let him fill you with, your spirit, with the Spirit and quit being so dependent upon yourself to win out there because you're not going to. And then it's not his fault if you don't because you never, ever, ever use the source. Get in that word. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And he will give you victory. He says this. He is faithful. He's faithful. He is faithful. He will always provide a way out. So that what? You can stand up under it. Mm. Here's your temptation. He's faithful. It's common to man, but he's faithful. He says, in you, greater as he is in you, he lives in the world. That means in you, I can beat this. It's really sweet as a believer when you conquer temptation and you stand on the other side and say, yep, 
Look what Jesus did through me. Boom. I'm, I'm done, man. Chains are off. I'm free. I conquered it. And then you know what he wants you to do? Psalm 40. Go tell your story. Go sing. Why? So others will hear. Others will see. Others will put their trust in the Lord. That's it. Not for you to go, <clears throat> look at me. No. Dude, you can do nothing. All right? You can do nothing. You're dead. Remember, dead people don't pound their chest. Don't have one. All right? So here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. Let the Holy Spirit of God fill you. Quit being self-empowered and be spirit-filled. And then get in this word and understand that every worm has a hook. And don't think because it came to your house, it doesn't. Every hook. I mean, every worm has a hook. Okay? This morning, the question on the floor this morning is not all the other stuff. The question on the morning, the floor this morning is simply this. Are you self-empowered or spirit-filled? That's it. That, that I mean, that's, that's it. You don't shuck the, co- the, the cob down to the co- I mean, the corn down to the cob, that's it. Are you self-empowered or spirit-filled? Because if you're spirit-filled, you're going to see victory. If you're self-empowered, you're going to be a casualty. You're going to kick your rear, man. I'm just telling you. And so this morning, are you spirit-filled or self-empowered? And the only way to be spirit-filled is to die to sin in your life, and to be resurrected, to be saved and born again. You say, well, I've been in church all my life. That's uh, cool, all right? But here's the deal. The only way to be saved is to be born again. And if you are born again, you better, you better understand that just because you're born again doesn't mean that you can handle it without him. You have to be spirit-filled every day. The Scripture says you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. If, if, if means keeping step means you're alive and you're walking with the Spirit. You're walking in the Spirit daily so you'll have victory, okay? That's the question this morning. And don't leave here without answering those questions. Self-empowered, Spirit-filled, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And God, as we move to a time of invitation, hmm. Father, I say many times that the invitation time is not Jeff's invitation, not worthy of the given invitation. But God, it's your invitation. It's your invitation. It's it's you inviting us to respond to what you have said to us through your spirit. And God, I pray that we say yes to you. God, that we've got to answer the question, are we self-empowered or are we spirit-filled? Father, maybe there's someone here today that, that understands the fact that they're not, they're lost. Even though they've convinced themselves that they're saved, Father, they're, they're just lost. And they've been trying to win on their own, and they just keep losing. Father, I pray they quit today, give up, get saved, and experience the victory. Father, maybe there's a family here today, our families, they've been looking for a church home. Just that place to call home. That place when you walk in, you know it's home. And Father, they feel like God's led them here. Father, I pray this morning do an invitation that they would listen to you and come this morning and join the church. Get on the team and be a part of the body here. God, maybe you just call us for prayer. Maybe to the altar, whatever. God, you move us today. Move us out of our comfort zone. Move us, Father, to be more like you. Father, be honored and glorified now. In Jesus' name.